We're in the middle of a look together at Revelation chapter 9, an admittedly difficult chapter of Scripture to look at, but also a chapter that's filled with reality, with the truth about good and evil, and a God who is offering to us His grace in the midst of a world where we have to face genuine evil. We've looked at the fifth trumpet where mankind has to face suffering for five months, and now today we look at the sixth trumpet where a third of mankind faces death. Verses 13 to 15 of Revelation chapter 9. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels, who have been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year, were released to kill a third of mankind. I want to begin by sharing with you the sounding of this trumpet. Before the sounding of this trumpet, John hears a voice described as coming from the four horns of the golden altar that's before God. Remember in chapter 8, verse 3, last week, this altar is the scene of the offering of incense with the prayers of the saints. This is very important to understand. This voice coming from the altar, its final mention is here, right here in the book of Revelation. We've seen it mentioned four times already. And the inference here is that this judgment that's coming is in part an answer to the prayers of the persecuted saints on earth. Is God's response in preparation for their deliverance, the giving of their inheritance. So in answer to the prayers of those who had suffered so much, God's judgment is going to come upon this earth. God has been holding it back. Why? So that more people can come to know him, so that more can follow him. They're held back at the Euphrates River. This Euphrates River, there are some very interesting geographical possibilities today of what God's going to do in this. But I also want to remind you of what it meant in that day, because everyone who read this would have understood it in the day of John. This Euphrates River stood at the edge of Jewish influence and of the Roman Empire. The Jews would have understood that that was the line, the Euphrates, beyond which all the heathen nations lived. The Romans would have feared the great armies of the Parthians who came from the region beyond the Euphrates. As we look at the book of Revelation, it's important to understand that anybody who first read this would have thought, that's the edge. That's right on the edge of disaster. That's the boundary beyond which, if I look past there, that's where evil is going to come upon me. All of us who live in maybe a bubble where we feel like we're protected from evil, we have this sense that maybe that bubble could be broken at some time, and here it is broken. There's a barrier, and that barrier is going to be allowed to be broken, and all these enemies who have been frightening those people of that day and those people of every generation, they're going to pour in. And again, in these verses, God waits until just the right moment. Notice it's the right day, the right month, the right year, the right even hour. God is in charge. Angels are allowed to kill here, and they sound like demons to us. I believe that the demons were allowed to punish but God is going to ask these angels to carry out his judgment as messengers of God. In the Old Testament, we see that angels are often called upon by God to carry about judgment upon evil in this world. Now, even as I talk about this, I understand this is deeply bothersome to many of us. We think, how could God do this? Doesn't he value human life? Yes, he does. But remember, God sees human life more clearly than I do, more clearly than you do. 
God knows that our human life is eternal, either with him or separate from him. Based on the character of God and what God teaches us about his plan for salvation, our salvation in the scriptures, and the way that God expresses judgment, there are some powerful truths in what's happening here about the way that God sees and works in this world. Let me remind you of three truths. Truth number one, God at times judges with death those who have hardened their hearts against him. You see that throughout the Bible. He judges those who have chosen not to choose him. Why would he allow them to continue to do evil when he has graciously given them full opportunity to choose him? They've said no, and not only that, they've chosen to do evil against others instead. I believe that this third who were killed fall into that group. Why, we ask, would God kill people? God knows that we're all going to die one day, and that the moments of our life on this earth, they're but a breath. Now, we don't see it that way. We see this life as the be-all and end-all, but God sees us that way. He sees from the perspective of eternity. So it should not surprise us that God would judge with death those who are doing any evil that would prevent his plan of salvation from unfolding, who have already decided they're not going to choose that plan for themselves. And that, in fact, he sometimes would judge with death in a way that causes others to look to him for salvation. I've been to a lot of funerals, and I can tell you that there are many there at funerals who would never think of their eternity. They'd never think of the love of God in Jesus Christ as they go through their life, as they work out their plan, as they accomplish what they've fashioned for themselves. They would never think about the love of God. They'd never think about eternity. But in the face of the death of their friend, their heart is stilled. They begin to see things that they've never seen. That's why God is judging here, I believe, so that the world can see things they've never seen. Now, there's a second truth you need to remember, and that is the truth that God is extremely patient with those whose hearts have not yet decided. He gives full opportunity to choose him. Although in his sovereignty, God knows in advance what we will choose, when we will choose. In his love, he gives us full opportunity to complete that choice. I believe that the two-thirds who are left, not yet believers, they fall into that group. God is still giving two-thirds an opportunity to choose him, a full opportunity to choose him, a few will. We're going to find out as we go through this chapter, sadly, most won't. God at times judges with death those who've hardened their hearts against him because he sees that there's more to our lives than just life on this world. God is extremely patient with those whose hearts have not yet decided giving full opportunity to choose him. And a third truth to remember is that God seals and protects those who are his. Whether it's the children of Israel in the Old Testament or the disciples of Jesus in the New Testament or believers here in the book of Revelation, God protects his children. He protects us for his purposes. And so here he does not allow harm. He protects us for his promises. And so although we will face death, physical death, we are protected for that day when we will meet with Christ. And we will in eternity enjoy who he is. As you read through this chapter, just suppose with me that you're a parent. Some of you are who are listening to this. And your children are reading the book of Revelation. They picked it up. What do you tell your children about this? Although, as we've gone through this book, we've said that the church will be raptured most likely during this time. It's easy to think in the back of your mind, well, what if Tom is wrong about that and some of these other teachers are right about that and Christians are going to go through this time of tribulation? And as you think about that, it's easy to begin to worry about those that you love. As you teach your children about this, teach them two things. Teach them, number one, even when we're not in control, God is always in control. 
I can trust him. I can trust him in my daily life today, and I can trust him in the midst of these events in the book of Revelation. We're not there yet, but when we get there, everyone who is there will see we can trust him. And then teach your children the second thing. No matter what happens, God seals and protects those who are his. So you teach your children, in fact, you even teach yourself, not to depend on timetables, not to depend on what we've figured out about the book of Revelation. You teach and you remember that there is no circumstance that we will face where we cannot depend on God's love to give us hope and to carry us through. Thank you, our Father. Thank you that hope means hope. There's no circumstance that can steal our hope from us. That hope is looking forward to eternity. And Lord, although we don't understand some of the way that your plan unfolds at the end of time, we do trust. We do trust that it's for your good purposes. We do trust so that more can come to know Christ. We do trust that it's so that evil can once and for all be done away with. We trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us tomorrow as we end our look at this chapter. We're going to see the story of what's happening in human hearts as these events unfold. (laughs) 